This Fab FM podcast is proudly brought to you by Bendigo Bank, Port Douglas and Mossman. Offering a full range of competitive banking products and technology you'd expect from a big bank with the personal service and care you'd expect from us. Furthermore, the Port Douglas branch is now excited to announce its brand new location at the Saltwater Building, Shop 9, 26 to 30 Macrossan Street. Bendigo Bank, the better big bank. Michael Kerr, a very quiet meeting today, really, and lots of unanimous decisions. Just how council meetings should be. It was well done, well spoken, well thought out. People had the information in front of them and they all agreed to everything, so it was good. Okay, let's go through the agenda. Combined development for dual occupancy and reconfiguring down a lot one at 56 Mudlow Street in Port Douglas. Uh, This is kind of good development, isn't it? It is. Nathan Vera, I have to say, does some fantastic projects in the Shire and this is going to be another one. The designs suit what our planners are looking for and of course the buildings will be an asset. You know, they're good properties and so we're quite happy to subdivide the land into two blocks. It fits in with the planning scheme and, you know, the staff give, gave their blessings. So of course we've given ours too. The second item was infrastructure charge 5146 Captain Cook Highway at Oak Beach. Now this was a bit of a dispute over infrastructure charges that council were making on the the particular property owner. Could you just explain what happened? Well, under the planning scheme, when people put in an application for a venue, like to have a wedding venue, council will calculate the amount of usage on our infrastructure and charge them accordingly. And if you go through for that type of uh, wedding catering, normally would there be about $13,000 worth of infrastructure charges. But if you look at the application, he's not going to be using all time. It's going to be minimal amounts. You know, it's going to be a small amount of people as well. And to, to justify it, councillors thought, you know, we need to charge according to what he's actually going to be using on the land. So the staff did some sums, came back to us with another figure, and we find that's appropriate. And at least that covers all the road usage. When his guests are going to be staying at hotels, so they're going to be using water, they're going to be using sewerage, and, you know, all those things will cover over the years. So that's more appropriate charge that he's been given. And what is that appropriate charge? And that was about five, just over 5,000 I believe. From 13 down to 5? Yes. Sanity prevailed? Well it's a logical and that's what we ask you know is that when these applications come in everyone's given fair and you know just cause and you know the staff looked at it realistically and we're happy with the result. Uh, on to item three, ultra filtration cartridges. Uh, now you'd think that's oh only a small little one there, two hundred and fifty three thousand four hundred and forty dollars. Absolutely, and anyone who's watched the water videos would have seen the cartridges. They do show them. They're like a plastic tube with little fine spaghetti in them, and the water rushes through that and it takes out the bacteria. Now there's only one company that actually makes those, so therefore because we can't go through a normal procurement process of asking people to tender for it we have to have a council resolution just to ensure we're covering our bases and that that's what that uh, motion was for. And it's Kosh cartridges. That's not David Kosh. That's not Koshy, is it? Nothing to do with Koshy. <laughs> well, he might add a little business on the side there. Let's move on to the smart water meters, $670,000 worth smart meters. I mean, this brings us into the 21st century, doesn't it? I mean, how fantastic is going to be? You'll be able to see your water usage on a daily basis using your smartphone. And that's what we want. You know, it, we do have an ageing infrastructure here in Douglas and quite often you find that people do get water leaks and they don't know about them until their water bill comes in and then it's mad panic stations because they get this extortionate bill you know and unfortunately we've made the water it's cost us and therefore the cost is passed on to the ratepayers 
having this system, at least they'll be able to see their water usage on a daily basis. If they do happen to get a leak, they can see it straight away and they will get notified by council as well that their water usage has suddenly gone up. So all these things will take into place and it'll be a great, just a great asset for this shire as far as our water consumption goes. On to dog registration. Now, this is an interesting one because uh, the Deputy Mayor, Lisa Scomazon, was a little fearful that council officers, although they have the right to go onto people's property, she wanted to make sure that they didn't sort of open the gates, uh, go in while people weren't there. It's legislated by the state government. You know, every dog after 12 weeks old has to be registered. It's that simple. And we're the policing body for it. So if there comes cases where dogs aren't registered and they go to court, the first thing I'd be looking at is, well, what's council's process? What have we done to ensure that they've been registered? You know, when there's a dog attack on the beach, if uh, council officers are investigating it, it's really hard to find a dog that's not even registered with us. If a dog's lost, you know, they pick up a dog up on the street, no microchip, no tag, how are we going to find the owner? So then it becomes onerous and cost-wise to try and find the owners. So ensuring your dog's registered covers all bases for council and it's legislation. It needs to happen. It's law. So by doing this process, you know, and I agree with council scholars, and we don't want the ratepayers to think that we're coming down on them and we're going to be belting down, cutting locks to get... That's not the case. What they'll be doing is progressively going through the estates, listening out for dogs. If a dog barks, they know there's a dog there. You know, and then they'll look at the paperwork and say, well, there's not one registered here. We need to follow this up and we'll send them a letter or we'll follow up and visit again when they're home. So it's going to be a gentle process. We're giving people the notification that it's time to register your dog if it's not registered. That simple. Do it now, get it registered, and you won't get a fine when this happens. Do we do a chip or do we do a tag? We do a tag here. So you can get microchips from the vet. That's a different thing to the registration of your animal within council. With council, when you register, you get a tag, and that's a lifelong tag. We won't issue another one unless you ask for one. They used to send them out yearly, so you got a different colour every year so you can see. Waste of plastic, you know, and that's the last thing we want to do. So now you just get one tag. If it breaks or if you lose it or what the case may be, contact council, they'll reissue with another one. Now, does this cost people money? Registering the dog does initially and then it's a yearly basis. But if you've got your dog desexed like it should be, it's I think it's about $30 a year. Right. Now it's good to, and I, I, I suspect you'll have a bit of a campaign and letting people know about, give them a bit of notice about this. Absolutely. There'll be advertising to say that it's time, get out there, register your dog now because we're about to do some checks. Okay, the financial report, that's usually fairly dry when we talk about these things. However, in this COVID time and the ferry costs that you had and the purchase of the ferry and all that, we're told by Tara Killeen, the Chief Financial Officer, that this month, August, might be a bit dodgy. Well, unfortunately, everyone's suffering at the moment. The lockdowns have hit everyone. You know, we certainly weren't anticipating it. Everyone thought we were going to have a bumper season. And that's, I think what's hurting our businesses even more is last year we knew it was going to be quiet. You know, that's, we just dealt with it. This year we thought we were going to be in for a bumper year and suddenly the carpet was ripped out from underneath us and we're all going, but we've... You know, we've budgeted this, we've got staff trained, we've done all this work. Council's no different. You know, we've allocated our budgets assuming that things were going to be going good this year. So when the ferry you know, quietens down and we stop getting revenue from that, that affects our budget. And that's what Cara was saying with this report. This first one being July, it's only in you know, the start of the financial year, so you can't really tell much from it other than you know, basically how we've been trading. But there's lots of things still outstanding that will need to be added through it as we move forward. But... It's a report. We have to approve it monthly, and we have done. 
Then it went on to sole supplier register that uh, was covered pretty well and that's just the people that supply you and that list changes from time to time. Now this will be of interest to people, rates increase grace period extension, unanimous. It's a good news story to get the word out there that don't stress if you haven't got the money right now to pay it, you're not going to be charged interest. Normally there's an eight day grace period but we're going to give you a 30 day grace period because we understand that times are tough and things out there just aren't going to plan. So, you know, and I, I, I think it's also a good sense to be able to get a story out to people that if you can't afford to pay your rates bill, contact council. Don't just bury it and say, I can't afford it. You'll start getting interest. Things will start happening on this side. Ring them up, say, listen, I can't afford it. What can you do to help? And they will assist you. You know, the council staff are good at that. They'll go through the process with you of what they can do. Now, the draft reconciliation action plan, uh, long overdue this one for the Indigenous community. What sort of thing are we going to see with this? Well, as I said in the meeting, this is walking the walk rather than just talking the talk. And it goes through and it, it, it really stipulates all the different things that council can do to show that we are an inclusive organisation as far as you know what we do with employing staff, as far as what we do with um, the different activities within the Shire to be inclusive. You know, it, it, it lists everything. It's a fantastic document and I'm so proud of Margaret and the work that she's done for this council and getting it to this stage. And realistically, this is the first stage. But as Margaret has said, when you look at this council, we're actually at the next stage. So it's not going to be too long before we get the next sign off. But it's got to go through a process and it's got to go to Reconciliation Australia. They'll sign off on the first one. We'll confirm that we're doing everything appropriately and we'll take the second one through, get that signed off as well. And I'm determined I want to get this through as quickly as, pro as possible and make sure that we're doing the best we can for our f First Nations people. I think it's fantastic. And I I've got to give you a wrap on this because really this council does a lot for the Indigenous community and really recognising it. This is our history. This is, you know, these people have been here for millions of years. You know, they know this land, they understand how this land works. And if we're not paying attention to how this country is supposed to work, we're just going to destroy it. You know, they, they know this land and, you know, some of their um, history, it's just so fascinating, you know, and it's worth bringing that out and making sure that everyone's aware of what they were, what they've gone through since white man arrived here, you know, and how we can actually work together to make sure that we are one United Nation and they are part of us and not a separate entity. Yeah, and it's working well for the federal government is working that way as well and state governments. But on a local level, I think the uh, Douglas Shire Council does a, an incredible job. Uh, we moved on to the Black Spot Towers. Now, could you just explain what went on there? Well, I think it was back in the 80s, it would have been that um, there's a lot of areas that were missing out on free-to-air television. And back then, of course, it was only uh, seven or eight seven channels I think it was if that and so the federal government did a funding scheme where they put these repeater towers up where you know council um, could look after them and these people would be able to get their free to air TV. And these locations were? Well you got one up in um, Cow Bay, there was one in Daintree Village and there's one in Shannonvale and you know over the years it's been 30 odd years they've never put any more funding towards it and these towers haven't been upgraded by anyone but council and of course television has changed so much between changing to digital you know you've now got 22 channels you know it's it's too hard for council to be forking out thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep upgrading and maintaining these towers for television you know that's the television stations and the state government's jobs to be doing not 
you know, councils jobs. So the one in Cow Bay, that got to a point where it's just completely unrepairable. So we had to turn that one off and it's been sitting there for the last uh, year and a half, I believe it is. So that motion was to decommission that one pack it down altogether, it's never going to be used. Um, the one for Daintree Village was giving the Daintree Village people notification that we hope it will last until June next year. Um, the, it is minimal amount of channels on it. They certainly don't get all the channels that are available. And there's certainly ways where these people can sign up to the various different satellite channels, etc., where they can get a lot better reception, a lot better as quality as the amount of channels they can get go out and do it now and don't wait to the last minute. The third tower of course is the one that's in Shannonvale and so we're doing a survey on that one to find out how many residents out there are actually using that tower. You know whether it's worthwhile for council to be forking out more money to keep fixing that tower or a lot of these people are already on Foxtel and Skymast and all those things already so we just want to know where we sit with that one before we make any decisions with it. Good stuff. Uh, now we've got a couple of items, reef to reef, that's the uh, the bikes, you know, uh, having their race. Uh, now they wanted 20,000 or 15,000, you worked out 20,000 per year over three years. A great event for us? It certainly is. You know, this is an event that used to be held here. Um, people would be familiar with it. It finishes on Four Mile Beach. Um, I love the fact that it's a race that's in Douglas. You know, it finishes here in Port Douglas, so therefore all the competitors, all the spectators, they hang around, they have lunch, they have dinner, they stay in accommodation. It makes it a worthwhile event for us to look after. And unlike other some other events. Unlike some other events that unfortunately finish in Cairns and just use our roads. But that's another story, of course. So, yeah, I'm happy with this one because we're putting money into marketing. It gives us our branding out there. It gives us advertising and it allows us to do other events around it as well, which is a great thing. Wonderland Spiegel Tent, they wanted uh, 55000 per year over three years, plus $10,000 in kind. Uh, before we get to that, what's in kind mean for those people who don't know what that means? So in kind is an expense that councils occur. So if we send workers out there to put up some... Uh, temporary fencing or if we send workers out there to put bollards up, um, direct traffic, all those sorts of things where council will incur a cost for it, whether it be staff labour or you know things we may have here if they need a bit of gravel that we've already got, those sorts of things are in kind. If we have to go out and purchase them, that's not in kind, that would be you know classified as you know cash cash donation or cash grant funding etc. Well unanimous Wonderland Spiegel tent will be there for uh, 22, 23 and 24. Absolutely I love this venue it's one of the best things that's come to Douglas it really is you know and I think anyone who's been to the Spiegel tent understands that it is an absolute asset for Carnival. The different acts that uh, knockout events bring you know, it's entertaining every time. You know, I know I'll never look at popcorn again the same after the last show. It was a, a learning experience for me. Um, but, you know, and it's entertainment and that's what we want. You know, there comes a point where people really do need to get out there and be able to enjoy themselves, you know, and to be able to get people from not only in the Shire, our locals, but, you know, tourists, people from Cairns, people from all around this area come to Port Douglas. They spend money in the restaurants and the bars. They see some good quality entertainment and, you know, go home and give some memories of some great times they had here in Port Douglas. And finally, the Mossman and District Show uh, wanted 20000 a year in kind only. I mean, I didn't think that was uh, too much to ask. Well, it's not, but it still comes out of our budget. Even though it's in kind, it's still a cost to council and it comes out of our budget, so it has to be allocated for. What a show, though. 
exactly you know it's a great show and people come from again from all around the regions you know to mossman and spend money in mossman and that's fantastic and you know these people they'll come here enjoy a great day you know pay for rides pay for food enjoy themselves it gives people an opportunity especially the kids to have some fun outdoors which is always good rather than sitting at home playing on a playstation um, which is really really important and you know and these people again more than likely will go to the daintree if they've come here from somewhere else or they'll go to port douglas and spend money in in douglas shire and that's really important mayor michael kerr thank you for an old-fashioned council meeting today Thank you very much. And as always, don't forget, if you've got to do it, you do it in Douglas.